0: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, September the 24th edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's a quarterback Tuesday, not as catchy as Tannehill Tuesday, but we're going to go over Josh Rosen's first start with the charting project and all 22 breakdown. Plus, we'll go over the snap counts and key details from the game Sunday in Dallas, discuss some ideal draft orders that could play out and wrap up the college quarterback week four scouting report up on LockdownDolphins.com, all of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In. We are top 200 in Apple Podcasts, top 100 in Spotify. So go help us out there. Rate and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back. And LockedOnDolphins.com, daily written content for you guys up there. Every single day, let's go ahead and jump right into this busy episode on a Tuesday. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get going real quick, I've been developing some content ideas for the bye week next week, as of course, we're all looking forward to the offseason and what this team becomes after 2019 with that in mind after the feud that I sort of started between Devon Godshaw and Jordan Lewis and given that he's one of the team leaders and guys looking for a contract extension to be a part of this long-term rebuild I reached out to Devon and asked him for an interview for the podcast and he agreed now I just have to clear it with the Miami Dolphins so check that out here coming up soon hopefully next week we'll see also the free agent stuff I'm going to do on the podcast probably going to come out next week as well as I have a little more time on the off week to study the free agents and get you guys filmed for that so stay tuned for a busy bye week we're not going anywhere but for now on today's show and this week let's go backwards and review the snap counts and data from the game on Sunday again a much improved effort especially in the first half but just not good enough at the end of the day 31 to 6 another drubbing on the scoreboard and frankly again the first half was full of plenty of good but that second half put Miami right back in the same statistical obscurity that they were in the first two weeks of the season. And we start off the top, and this is an article up on lockdowndolphins.com. if you guys want to check it out for yourself. But we start at the top with the team stats. And through three weeks, the Dolphins have the greatest point differential on the negative side of things in league history. An average defeat of nearly 40 points as the Dolphins are allowing 44.3 points per game and 5.3 points on their offensive side scored. Every Sunday so far this season. The negative 117 point differential is 80 points worse than the 31st ranked team in the in the league in the New York Jets. Brian Flores' team ranks last in passer rating, red zone conversion rate, third down conversion rate, time of possession, yards allowed on defense rushing defense, and scoring on both sides of the ball. The offense, with that strong first half, did climb out of the obscurity a little bit, I guess. Yay, right? The unit now ranks 31st in total offense, 30th in rushing, and 29th in passing offense. So, progress. Great. Injuries forced the Dolphins to play a lot of guys on Sunday, and that includes the quarterback position where Ryan Fitzpatrick came onto the field for five snaps, Josh Rosen, of course, took the other 65. The running back split and workload continues to favor Kenyon Drake. He took 46 snaps, 66% of the offense's reps, and Kalen Balazs was out there for 34% of the snaps. He played 23 total. They were the only backs besides Chandler Cox that played in the game on Sunday. At receiver, Alan Hearns got knocked out after five reps, so that left Miami with only three receivers. So Preston Williams and Devontae Parker both played 67 of the 70 reps, 96% total. Jakeem Grant comfortably in third at 44 snaps. That's 63% of the total. For the first time this year, Durham Smythe led the tight ends in snap counts. He played 39. Mike Siki played 30. And Nicole Leary, 27. So a pretty even split there with more 12 personnel packages than 11 personnel. Along the offensive line, three guys made it through the game. Daniel Kilgore, Jamarcus Webb, and Michael Dieter each played 70 snaps. Evan Baim played 50 snaps. Shaq Calhoun, 40. Danny Isadora, 30. And Jesse Davis, 20. Nice round numbers there on the offensive line. As far as the stats go from profootballfocus.com. And if you guys want to check out more of these numbers, sign up today at profootballfocus.com. Some interesting statistical oddities. Mike Gasicki was not kept in for pass protection on any snaps in the game on Sunday. Eat your heart out on that, Adam Gaze. A new defined role for Gasicki as a pass catcher. He caught all three of his targets for nine yards. Not explosive, not much to write home about, but he's not making the mistakes he made last year. That's growth and that's progress. And the Dolphins personnel alignments talked about this. 11 personnel was not as prevalent as 12 personnel because they did lose Alan Hearns, but the offensive line also lost two guys and did not survive the entire game for the first time this season. And despite that, they had probably the best game of the three so far for any of these Dolphins offensive line combinations. Even though they did allow pressure on 27 of the 47 dropbacks, Josh Rosen was only hit On seven of those, 20 of them were hurries, and three of the sacks went to Jamarcus Webb and Michael Dieter collectively. The two tackles had a rough day off the edge, especially in that second half when Dieter was at left tackle, and Webb was kind of on an island by himself at right tackle because they slid protection over to help out the rookie, who just doesn't belong at left tackle. And I even asked Michael Dieter about his preferred position back in training camp, and he told me he doesn't care which side he plays, but he does prefer being on the interior. So... There you have that. He's the backup left tackle for now because of the thin nature of this Dolphins offensive line. He got beat. He had six total pressures allowed. Jamarcus Webb allowed 10 total pressures, including those two sacks. But the good news, Daniel Kilgore, Danny Isadora, Evan Baim, and Jesse Davis all had shutouts in regards to allowing hits on the quarterback. They had some uh, hurries and some pressures that way, but no hits on Josh Rosen. No Dolphins lineman graded better than 56.8. Per the PFF run game grading scale, that's a below average distinction. So the Dolphins best player was below average and that belonged to Danny Isadora with Michael Dieter finishing dead last in offensive run blocking. Josh Rosen has not completed better than 50% of his passes in any of the three games, and his yards per attempt is down to five right now. He's got zero touchdowns, two picks, and a passer rating of 45.3. That's 34th out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks. The only one worse, Ryan Fitzpatrick, another Miami Dolphin. But a lot of those negative numbers come from a lack of help from his friends, like receivers dropping balls. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Kenyon Drake all had passes in this game, and two of those could have been touchdowns. The highest passer rating on Balls targeted to a receiver was Devontae Parker at 82.6. Preston Williams caught four of his 10 targets while Parker and Grant caught half of theirs three for six and four for eight. Smythe was fantastic in the running game. He had the best blocking grade of anybody with the wham and dig out blocks that he played. We talked about that on the podcast yesterday. He allowed two hurries in pass protection. O'Leary pitches a shutout. As far as the running backs go, Kenyon Drake's pass protection was the only positive to write home about. He did average 2.58 yards after contact, a good number, but his fumble derails any positives and Kalen Balazs has to get it going. He ranks 82nd out of 86 qualifying running backs right now in yards after contact contact average. He averages just 1.2 yards after contact on his touches this season. So the offense continues to struggle. The defense played a little bit better in the first half. Things fell apart eventually, but if you want to look good like the Dolphins did in that first half, you guys got to check out Mac Weldon as the opening month of the NFL season is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. And speaking of better, if you guys are going to put money on football this year, you got to check out mybookie.ag. At the end of a hard week, all the stuff you deal with at work, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sideline with nobody to stop them. There's nothing else like the National Football League, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best In the business, it's where I play. It's where you should play too. I wouldn't be telling you guys about them if they weren't the best bet you'd make all season long. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I am thankful that the NFL scheduled Washington and Chicago for Monday Night Football last night, I know you guys are hearing this on Tuesday, But it's Monday morning out here on the West Coast, and I have a lot of work to do today, including going down to school for two hours and an hour drive both ways. But I'm looking forward to coming back home and getting into the All-22, which has become available on Monday nights, and we're going to get the Josh Rosen charting project cranked back up here. If you guys recall, or if you're longtime listeners of the podcast, you know we did the Ryan Tannehill charting project. We did Josh Rosen when he was in Arizona, and we're going to go ahead and continue that now. With Rosen here in Miami, I'll have some college quarterback charting projects done over the course of the offseason as well. So LockedOnDolphins.com, your home for all things Miami Dolphins search for the franchise quarterback in 2019 and beyond. So keep an eye for that. We're going to come back and record the podcast later tonight and talk about Josh Rosen in the third segment. So it's not going to be any different for you guys. It'll be a regular show, but I'm going to take a break here and do my day and come back and get to Josh Rosen. But for now, let's get back into the defense here and talk about the Dolphins' production on Sunday in Dallas. First, with the snap counts on the defensive line, Charles Harris is getting a lot of work this year. I think they want to find out what they have in him, and right now we're finding out it's not a whole lot. But still, he played 67 reps out of the 72. 93% is a ton for a linebacker slash edge defensive lineman. Christian Wilkins played 45. Devon Godshaw played 42. Avery Moss played 39. Those guys all ranked between 63% and 54% of the offensive or defensive workload, rather. Taco Charlton played 30 snaps. 42% of the Dolphins total. That's a lot for a guy that got here on Friday. John Jenkins played 17 snaps. That's 24%. He really fell off after his good game last week. At linebacker, both Jerome Baker and Sam McGuavin played every single down, all 72 of them. Raquan McMillan is a part-time player, big time in this defense. 21 snaps, 29% of the total defense. Trent Harris had 17 and Vince Beagle had 11 snaps on Sunday. At cornerback, Eric Rowe played all but one snap, 71. Xavier Howard missed two snaps after he got ejected with 70. Jamal Wiltz played 29. He also had a groin injury. Chris Lamont played 23 snaps. That's good for 32%. At safety, plenty of guys getting work back there as well. Four of them, McCain played 67 snaps, Stephen Parker and Walt Akins both played 39 snaps, and Johnson Batamosi played 17 snaps in the game on Sunday. And this is a bit of a, I guess we'll call it a clap back to Omar. Me and Omar Kelly are bros at this stage. I don't have any problems with him. But the way he responded to that Christian Wilkins tweet where I said that he was kicking ass all game on Sunday and told me to stop... I took exception with that because watch the film, it's pretty obvious that Wilkins was consistently pushing guys back into the backfield, which is the first step for any defensive lineman. You want to win that initial contact, low man wins, shove them into the backfield, reset the running back's launch point. That's part of playing football. And a lot of the quotes that I got back on those comments about Devon Gotcha and Christian Wilkins from Cowboys fans, from football fans, whatever, that said, This is all you guys have to celebrate, not even making a tackle in the backfield. I'm not here to show you the highlights. That's what Center does. I'm here to show you every single down who's consistently putting in the good reps and scouting football, not watching highlights and box scores. And that's what Christian Wilkins was on Sunday. The Dolphins did not have good run defense by any stretch, but Wilkins was legit and solid, consistently getting penetration both against the run and the pass. He led the team with three pressures in the passing game. He also made four tackles. Two of those qualifying as run stops and he didn't miss any tackles in the game. A very good game for Christian Wilkins. And I thought Godshaw was right behind him in production. He had one pressure in the passing game. That's not really his game, but he made four tackles and one of those was good for a run stop. He did miss a tackle in the game, however. Charles Harris tied for the team lead with three pressures. One of those was a hurry. Two of them were hits, and the hits sound great, and they are, but both of those came on unblocked rush schemes where the Cowboys let him free and didn't bother blocking him before he drilled Dak Prescott. So, Harris it's not looking great for him. He was bad in the run game as well with zero run stops. Taco Charlton graded out poorly, but he seemed confused as to what his job and responsibilities were. Again, he's been here for four days, so we'll take it easy on him. Jerome Baker only made three tackles on 72 snaps in the game. He missed a tackle and was often washed out against the run. Pro football focus gave him the worst run defense grade on the team. That's a concern we've talked about on the podcast. Kevin Dern, our buddy at KevinMD4, friend of the podcast, talked about his concerns with Jerome Baker's size and not being able to get off those blocks and it was kind of an issue on Sunday his coverage however was stellar he allowed just 29 yards on seven targets three for seven for 29 yards that's elite coverage I talked about those videos where he took a two-way go on Zeke Elliott on an angle route very impressive coverage from Jerome Baker but he's got to get stronger and more stout against the run Sam McGuavin had his best day as a pro. He did miss one of his nine tackle opportunities, but still eight tackles and he's not getting it done in coverage. Dallas completed all three targets on him. That's supposed to be his specialty. I talked about McMillan. Just comes in and gets his job done. Three tackles, no misses. One run stop. Xavier Howard, his worst game since his rookie season. Beaten for two touchdowns. Five for five for 70 yards in his coverage area. He knows he had a bad game. He'll get that corrected. Bobby McCain had a really nice game. He had the team's highest coverage grade he picked off the lone target that was thrown to him and Johnson Batamosi and Eric Rowe both had above average grades in the coverage area of pro football focus as well they were the only three on the team to have that Rowe allowed just one of his four targets to get completed and Badamosi was one for two with three yards passing on those two attempts. So a good day from the Dolphins secondary despite the numbers looking bad. I thought the defense in general was pretty good despite the numbers looking bad because there was a lot of individual wins and that's what we're looking for in this extended preseason. I'm going to grade these games just like I did the preseason. I'll tell you who didn't play well but I'll show you the good stuff we can take away from the games. That's the key. That's the focus. That's what we're doing here. On the Locked On Dolphins podcast, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And before we turn things over to the third segment where I'll talk all things quarterbacks, including Josh Rosen's charting, I got around to Jake Fromm and Justin Herbert's games from Saturday, so we'll add them to the quarterback prospect scouting chart up on LockedOnDolphins.com and discuss that in the third and final segment. But first, I have this... These ideas or scenarios that I often kick around late at night when I'm staring at the ceiling or watching TV, but this one refers to possible draft orders come next April, and I was thinking about the solutions where Miami could wind up with their quarterback and a haul of draft picks, and I do think that'll be the plan to trade out of that second spot, and we'll talk about the Steelers here in just one second, but the idea is going to be to capture the franchise quarterback, I think, first overall, and then accumulate more draft capital and continue to build around to a tongue of loa and to go back to the Steelers I think most of us probably watched that game on Sunday five takeaways for the Steelers and they still lost a game that they easily should have won Mason Rudolph struggled big time in his first start the Steelers tackles were beaten regularly James Conner looks like an unimaginative bell cow running back now that all the pieces around him are gone I just don't see this team winning more than four games, maybe five. And if that's the case, you're going to have the Dolphins picking in the top five or six of this draft. And the ideal scenario I'm talking about here, when you consider the Texans, Eagles, Rams, Chiefs, Jets, Bills, pretty much everybody that drafted a quarterback recently had to trade up to go get him. And even though I think the league is in the best position it's ever been in with young quarterbacks right now, There are still teams desperate to get into that mix. Of course, Miami. I think Denver will be part of that. It looks like the Giants won't have to go back in that direction. We'll find out about Washington and Dwayne Haskins. Could Chicago get themselves into the mix? I know a lot of Bears fans are unhappy, and rightfully so, with Mitch Trubisky. But regardless, my thought was, if the Dolphins pick first, which I think we all agree they will, and the Jets happen to continue to play the way they have, and they pick second, and then if Pittsburgh's pick comes in at third, so if it goes Miami, New York, Miami... Think about the leverage the Dolphins would have in that position, picking right behind a team who doesn't have a need for a quarterback with Sam Darnold and possibly picking ahead of teams like maybe Washington or Denver that do have a need. That could entice teams to come all the way up the draft board and give Miami two or three first round picks and just continue to stockpile this thing. It's the one scenario that I know is a little bit out there because a lot of things have to happen, but there are different chances where Miami can make a huge move to get more draft capital depending on how things shape out, and it all starts with the Steelers playing bad football, which it looks like when it comes to bad football, they will oblige Dolphins fans everywhere. Okay, I'm going to sign off for the afternoon and come back tonight and get you the Josh Rosen All-22. I'll have that on the other side of the podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You guys can find me on Twitter at Winkfield NFL and the show at Locked on Fins. I know it's no different to you guys, but I am back after about a 12-hour layoff. I just spent three hours charting Josh Rosen's film. From the Week Three game in Dallas, we'll get to that here in just one second. You guys can find the article with video breakdowns and all the in-depth data you've come to love and know from Locked On Dolphins and the quarterback charting projects up on lockedondolphins.com. But first, before we get into that, really quickly, I wanted to talk about a tweet that I saw on Monday afternoon from Gil Brandt, the Hall of Fame sports writer slash former scout slash everything National Football League, who mentioned that he was in Dallas for the Dolphins and Cowboys game and had a very long chat with dolphins owner Steven Ross and he detailed that chat on Twitter at least in a blurb of 280 characters and he discussed Steven Ross's detailed distinct plan that We've been talking about on this podcast that I've been confirmed from good dolphin sources that say this plan is concrete. Steven Ross is committed to this plan. And of course, it has to do with 2020 and acquiring resources to make this team better in the future to build a sustained winner over just trying to patch holes and get back to the playoffs at 10-6, and 9-7, and seven, and competing for second place in the AFC East. I know that's going to fall on a lot of deaf ears, but Steven Ross is really committed to this rebuild and I'm happy for it. I'm thankful for it. For it, I think this Dolphins team is going to be much better off because of that, opposed to the old way of operating. As you watch the New York Jets, for instance, or Washington on Monday Night Football, or the Cincinnati Bengals, would you rather be the Dolphins right now or one of those teams that's also 0 3 with not a lot to look forward to in the future? The Dolphins have a bright future, those other teams do not. And part of that bright future might include Josh Rosen because this All-22 film on Sunday from the Dallas Cowboys game showed me some improvements in his game that I was pretty concerned about, namely the timing and rhythm of his processing and his quick decision making now don't get that twisted he has a long way to go but I thought that he did a good job cleaning up that hitch when he comes off the top of his drop when he kind of second guesses himself doesn't always trust his eyes and maybe when there's more film on him defenses can change the post snap picture and get back to confusing him and having him deal with issues of identifying the middle linebacker and finding where the blitz is and there were some instances where he did fail to get that done but this is a 22 year old quarterback in his first game in a new scheme, second season in a new scheme, second year in the league, and I thought by and large he acquitted himself very well in that regard. The playmaking ability to go off script and do things to get pushed off of his spot and make plays on broken routes. I thought that was very impressive. Didn't know he had that in his arsenal. He's done a little bit of it here and there, but the mobility in Arizona and UCLA was nothing like what we saw on Sunday in that game in Dallas. And again, if you guys go to LockedOnDolphins.com, you can find, I think, I think I have 13 videos in there breaking down Josh Rosen plays. I talk over the video, so make sure you have your audio on when you watch that. But again, to consider the point spread, the fact that he was down two offensive linemen on top of already having a pretty depleted offensive line and of course, in his first start, he did pretty well. Let's go ahead and get into some of the numbers here from the article up on LOD.com. They converted 11 of his 44 dropbacks, just 25%, but still a improvement from Brian Fitzpatrick's two starts. They were only two for nine on third down on passing downs. That's just 22.2% that has to get better. His air yards, average air yards per attempt was 9.61. You refer back to the Adam Gaze offense. That's about double the average of what Adam Gaze did. They attacked vertically and had a plan. And we'll talk more about the offensive plan and the defensive film and running game film on tomorrow's podcast. But I was very impressed with the passing concepts of this Dolphins offense. As far as his splits for the depth down the field, 20 yards or more, just two of six, 33% passing there. This is the area he has to get better. Actually, Kind of two of these areas, the intermediate 11 to 20 yard range. He was 0 for 5 on accurate throws in that area, and 0 to 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage, just 17 for 26, 65.4%. And I know you don't want to hear about Ryan Tannehill's name on this podcast, but that was where he was usually pretty perfect. He never missed the layups. That's a big step I want to see Josh Rosen continue to take as this season goes along. The Dolphins were primarily 11 personnel again in this game, although nothing like with Adam Gase last year. 30. Play- out of 11 personnel, that's one back, one tight end. 12 personnel was 10 plays, a good mix there. They were an 03 personnel, a new one I've never seen before under Adam Gase. Two times, that's zero running backs, three tight ends, and two receivers. 13 personnel once, and 21 personnel once with Chandler Cox back there. All things told, I tabbed Rosen with 10 mistakes in this game. I thought he missed two reads, and you guys can find those videos on the article on LOD.com, and I thought he had eight inaccurate throws out of the 38. That has to get a little bit better, although it's not crazy bad. The Dolphins offensive line allowed 20 pressures on the dropbacks that I charted with an average time from snap to pressure of 2.29 seconds. He was accurate on one of three red zone throws and completed just one of 10 contested throws. That 40-yard strike on the first drive to Devontae Parker. He was under center for 12 of the 44 dropbacks, so 32 times in the gun, and he had 85 yards after the catch from Dolphins receivers. That was 42.5% of his total passing yardage. A strong debut for Rosen here heading into the first start at Hard Rock Stadium. I think that if he can continue to progress with his timing and rhythm and find those bigger plays when the opportunity presents itself, that'll be a massive step towards making him a franchise quarterback going forward. In the meantime, sharpen up that short and intermediate area accuracy, missed fewer layups, and continued to show the off-script prowess that he displayed in Dallas. I gave him an inconsequential performance. There's three categories, winning, inconsequential, and losing. I thought he didn't make enough big plays, although his teammates let him down the few times he did. I thought he made too many mistakes to get in the winning column, but he didn't make a losing performance because he didn't make any back-breaking mistakes, rather, and he played pretty well within the structure of the offense and made some plays off-script. So again, LockedOnDolphins.com, the job Rosen 2019 charting project. We'll do this every single week here on the podcast and on the website. That'll be fun to do. And before we get out of here, I want to continue the discussion on quarterbacks because over the weekend, I was in Pullman for that Washington State meltdown, which let's not talk about that ever again, but I had to miss all the good college football action on Saturday as we drove three hours to get there. And I had a chance to come back Sunday night and watch Justin Herber and Jake Fromm. And this is in comparison to Jordan Love and Tua vailoa and you step. Still- those four guys against each other, it's just not close to me. Tonga is so much more polished in all the intangible things like the pre-snap picture, identifying what the defense is doing accurately throwing guys open and putting them in position to not get ran over by the defense. He creates all that yardage after the catch, gets the ball out quick, understands where the pressure comes from, gets off the spot, and makes a throw off platform. I just think that everything he does is more inherent. It's more natural. He's a better quarterback than these guys. And Justin Herbert, while he can flat drive the ball to any portion of the field you want him to, I think he's a little bit stiff-hipped. He can't get off that spot when pressure comes immediately, kind of like Ryan Tannehill in that way. Jake Fromm, my biggest knock on Jake Fromm is that it doesn't seem like he's the best player on that offense. He's kind of the the game manager, and I hate that term, but he really is in that Georgia offense as they rely so heavily on the running game, and he basically only throws third-down passes to the back shoulder to his tall receivers. I just want to see him do more in that offense because right now he's not doing it. I think through four weeks, there is a clear Clear number one, that's Tua. I would put Jordan Love next with a huge gap behind Tua Tungavailoa. And then I'm going to go with Justin Herbert, three. Jake Fromm, a close four behind that. And of course, that could change with Joe Burrow, Jacob Eason, Jalen Hurts, and the other guys eligible next season. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for a crossover edition with the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and we'll get into all the film study for the running game and the defense as well. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Find that post-game report and Josh Rosen article and college scouting report, quarterbacks, all that stuff up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.